topic in recovery. Because if you looked at, if you had a chance to look at a map of your life, like a linear map, and maybe you had the right, you had the right to change it if you'd like, your whole life would look different if you could have put like four pauses or four pows in there, yeah? At certain times. Like when I said, I, I want to go back, see what, the night I got run over by a car, I got run over by a car, and I got run over twice in one night. Only an alcoholic could do that. <laughs> the guy hit me, and then he didn't know what he hit, so he backed up over me. So, and what occurred was, this is, I was, uh, <laughs> I had been, I had been uh, lost for a few years in my addiction, yes? And when I was young, I had been with a spiritual teacher, and I wanted to, I was starting to want help, yeah, because I was in bad shape. So I found out where one of their meetings was, and I had gone there that night. But I felt from this, my head telling me what was going on, that I was very far away from them and too far gone to get it anymore, you know, to be quote unquote spiritual. So I drove, as, as I was driving home, I stopped at a bar. I used to know in a town near my hometown. And it was January 30th, 1980, a freezing night in New York on a Sunday night, like not much was happening. Sort of like Stockholm. <laughs> so, I, uh, so I pulled over and I went in to the bar and a friend of mine was the bartender. And there was one waitress in the place, and that was the only people there, a waitress and a bartender. So I had a couple of shots of Grand Meunier, and I had a thing called a Quaalude. He gave me a Quaalude, yeah, which is like a down. And so I drove home to my sister's house. I was staying there. And uh, I got home. It was like 10.30, 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, freezing, snowing. And there was only two people at this bar. But I started to think I was missing something, yeah? My head started running in advertising that I was missing something, like a party had erupted at this bar since I left. And I was sitting there, I was feeling unease and irritable like we do, and I bought the advertising. I said, shit, and I got back into the car and I drove there. And as I was crossing the street, I got hit by a car, yeah? So, and what I found out afterwards was there was still only a bartender and waitress in that bar. No one had showed up and nothing. But I had been actually, I did, thought I was going to try to meet someone, but I met, uh, met a Chevy Monte Carlo, whatever. So this is why, this, if I would have had a pause, let's say, that day, yeah, when that mind started running that advertising, oh, yes, let's go back to that bar. Maybe I could have said, it's 1 o'clock, it's Sunday night, forget it, let's go to sleep. The whole life will look different, in a sense. You know, of course, that's not happened. But the pause is an incredible event, in, I believe, in AA, when you can pause. Because that pause is like an eternal moment in time. Have you ever had been in a pause? It doesn't feel like a time moment. There's not like running into the next moment. Like there's, there's no rush. You're not going anywhere. Everything seems to stop, yeah? And in that pause, in that pause, a free sample is available. For me, I had a five-minute pause when I got my, the night I, uh, the day of my moment of clarity about alcoholism, I only had a five-minute portal when the, a pause occurred, but in that five-minute portal, some, a solution came in that's affected me for 22 years, yeah? I mean, it's a very, it doesn't, it has no restraints based on time and the way things go here. Anything can happen in a pause and anything can stop happening in a pause, yeah? It is a moment of where the selfing gets startled because selfing is a verb. 
Yeah? There is no noun. There is no self. It's a mental process called selfing. It makes up an illusion of being a noun by identification with the body. But it's a verb, and it can be startled into stopping, and that's what a pause is. Yeah? When a pause comes over you, the selfing stops, and your whole life can change in that moment. Yeah? I find it so valuable, because I believe you can live in that pause, if you want to call it, right? You can live in the state of what we call a pause. You can live from pause. Yeah? You don't need to be agitated to enter there. You can live in that pause where the, the way of knowing is I don't know. Yeah? You live in a state of I don't know, which in Zen Buddhism is the highest form of mind is I don't know. To, to be in that state of I don't know, that opens you up. It's true reliance on something greater than self, and then something will indicate, not something, but there will be an indication coming into you. But if you believe you know, it deters all that information coming in. Like I, I work with a sponsee, and every time I'm working with him, he says, I know. And I say, well, you don't know. No, I know that I don't know. No, you don't know. Because if you knew, you wouldn't be talking about what you're talking about right now to me. But his whole way of defeating everything is I know. You know? As soon as I'm going to give a suggestion, I know, I know. No, you don't know. The don't know is the high, very, very high space because now you're open. You've, your mind has found the skylight in that closed system of selfing, self-centeredness, and it's opened up for some other information to come in. Yes? Like the higher power, intuitive thoughts, a sense of knowing. Now, not thinking, knowing. Yeah? So that pause is something, just like in surrender, if you know about, I didn't, you know, when I got hit by that car tonight, I did not surrender. Yeah? I didn't know what surrender was, even though I had severe situations occur, until that day in that trailer park when I had the moment of clarity. Because I felt what it felt like what it means to me to be surrendered when the selfing stops. It just stops. You just, and there you're open to a suggestion other than your own, yes? Now that I've had an experience of surrender, I can duplicate it. I can entertain it. I can actually live in a state of surrendered. Yeah. I realize that when the surrender always brings me back to admitting I'm powerless. What would happen if you just stayed in that admittance? If you stayed in that admittance of powerlessness, you would have a sense of power at all times. It's only when you exert power that isn't yours that you experience powerlessness, meaning frustration and no one's doing what I want them to do and this and that. Those are experiences of powerlessness, but they come from exerting power. When you admit your powerless, you stay in a state of power. I believe people in AA, the, one of the highest forms of experience in AA is surrender, but I think there's even a clearer space, which is surrendered, where there's something that has been revealed to you and that you, you are convinced about the powerlessness, yes, and therefore you stay in this surrendered and then you're in a state of power at all times. You don't have the joy of experiencing what it's like to surrender, but I'd rather not take a chance that I get back to that point of surrender and just stay surrendered. It's not as glamorous. You can't call people up and say, oh, you can't believe it, I had a surrender. Surrendered is no big deal after a while, but it's beautiful, yeah? Because when, 
you start stabilizing, you don't know what life can build on you. Yeah. Once you get firm, established in this foundation, you don't know what can be entertained from that platform. When you're always constantly busy coming here and there, getting kicked this way and that way, having an agitated mind, you can't get a clear reflection of things. You can't understand serenity or comprehend peace. It's impossible because peace to you is something based on circumstances. If everyone leaves me alone and no one calls me this weekend, I'll have some peace. Yeah? That's not what the, I don't believe is the peace they're talking about. It's a peace that passeth understanding. It's a peace that is known when you know it. That's how you know of it. You can't think about it. No one can actually even explain it to you. But when you get the sense of it, you'll know it. You'll recognize serenity, and you will know peace. Yeah? And you will have a new freedom and a new happiness and a new attitude and a new outlook. A constant revision of your perceptual world will change. Because where you're looking at everything from, that point is giving everything the meaning it has for you. Yeah? You give the meaning to things. They're not giving you a meaning. You give them the meaning. Yeah? So... All the meaning is being given to everything here based from one point of view, which is called self-centeredness for us. And us, it's even more defined, it's called alcoholism. That's why we identify with each other, because we have the same point of view concerning life. Basically, the same meanings are given to situation. This is to be avoided. Oh, do, 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 do. Oh, no one has the same understanding or feeling I have. All this, you're suffering from terminal uniqueness. I'm terminally unique. How many terminally unique people are there? It's a point of view that's giving life meaning. And you're reacting to that meaning and responding to it as if it's real and solid and out there. Yeah? This is seeing maybe perhaps I'm not the center of this system called self. When you're not the center, an immunity grows to that system, and then, un if you want to call it another system, but something else takes its place and starts giving meaning to life through you. Look at the old way we used to look at it. Let's say a miracle happens at 9.30 in the morning. You've forgotten about it by 11, right? Basically. But a resentment of 40 years ago, you're still cultivating it every day. A miracle, oh, forget that. But a resentment, oh, that motherfucker, oh, 40 years You've got to look at the nature of the mind that's interpreting the life for you. I mean, check it out. It's like there's an old story about the snake, and the girl, woman saves the snake. Yeah? It's drowning, and it saves the snake, and it takes it home, and it puts it in a shoebox and puts a little blanket in there and gets a little, like, uh, baby thing and tweezer and feeds it milk and puts in, you know, oh, and says prayers over it and makes it, makes it nice and warm. And after a few days, the snake comes back to life. And the lady goes there and picks up the snake, and the snake bites her. And she goes, why did you bite me, Mr. Snake? I fed you, I clothed you, I took care of you. And he looks at it, I'm a snake. <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to do? How is an unreliable system ever be to become reliable? If you are a big follower of the program of AA, it says it very clearly. Why are we in so much fear? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? So the system of self-reliance is a failed system. It's not because you relied on it, it failed. Anyone who relies on it, it fails. It's a failed system. It's not going to change. 
That's why it has excuses and rationalizations and blame as some of its main activities. Because when something can't deliver the goods, it has to make up a story why. Yeah. It has to excuse itself or blame someone else or rationalize why it isn't happening. How many times have you surrendered over to self and asked it to bring about some happiness and joy and freedom in your life? And how many formulas have you followed where it promised you that would be the end results? And how many times have those formulas failed? And how many times have you gone back to the same formulation and applied a new one with the hopes that it would finally work? It's an unreliable system. That's the recognition of it. But you can't leave it if you're identified as it. You'll, the best you can do is, all right, I'm going to get a therapy. You know, I'm going to socialize it. I'm going to civilize it. I'm going to put it in an institution. Somehow, I'll make life bearable as it. But why if you can recognize you're not it? I don't want to get it any more self-esteem. Fuck. I don't care if it feels good about itself or not. I don't. I could care less about its feelings. It's not me. I've lost interest in it. But, Paul, no, no but. I don't look back. I could care less if it's fucking drowning or what, or if it's doing great. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not that. It has nothing to do with living. It's a mental exercise. It's just riffing, selfing, 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 selfing. Yes? I, me, my. One day, what does it promise you that one day you'll be special? Doesn't it? Just hold out a little longer. Somebody in this damn world will recognize how special you are. At least one out of billions of them. All I need is one person. I'll feel better then. But I'm special, don't you see? That specialness is the disease, yeah? That, dis that desire to be special. It says in AA, be an average Joe among average Joes. That's the freedom, yeah? To be a worker among workers. But how many, you know, when I, I used to go in the water a lot in America, we boogie board surfing, whatever, and it's funny because when you're in the water, you're totally engaged in that event, but the head is hoping someone from the shore saw you catch the big wave. <laughs> That's its agenda. Its agenda is to be noticed. Its agenda is to be seen. Its, to, its agenda is to be relevant, to be recognized, yes? That's all it cares about. It wants to be fucking relevant. Yeah. And it will kill you for it. So this is just, for me, I started to entertain immediately I could be free of it when I entertained I wasn't it. Before that, all I was trying to do is loosen up the chains a little bit and get a little breathing room. Maybe I could have a month-long relationship or not flip out at the next picnic I went to or at least go on a date and don't get arrested by the end of the night. You know, I was hope I had big hopes, you know? It was just like trying to loosen a little the bondage. Oh, man, this is great, you know? No, there's a radical sense of freedom. You can be free from what you're not. You have to be bound to what you're not. You have to be bound. There has to be a mechanism that bonds you to what you're not because you're not that. There has to be a, a way that the sense of being a self is facilitated and reinforced so that sense continually 
puts out the trance over you, yes? But to be what you are is very, very simple because you are it already. It's the easiest thing in the world to be a spirit. It's very difficult to become spiritual <laughs> as a self. <laughs> what happens when you want to become spiritual? First, you get the right clothes, usually. Whites, you know? <laughs> Get some patchouli oil, incense, and you, maybe you practice your loving gaze, you know? I hate every one of you, but I'm special, yes. Something's happened to me that hasn't happened to you. You know, saw talk softly, don't move much. Give me a fucking break. Spirit is animated, it's alive, it can be that, it can be this. It doesn't have any form or structure. You can't recognize spirit, yeah? You can be affected by it, you can be moved by it, but you won't recognize it, yeah? You'll sense it, but man, it's a loving touch. It's, isn't it amazing when you can hold the space for somebody? When you're available and you're just like when you do a fifth step. When I used to do the fifth steps, when after this started to happen, it was wonderful because I could just hold the space for that person to be everything they weren't for five hours. Just hold the space. Let everything they aren't come up because if you allow, if you tell the truth and you let what you really would like to be unreal, real, if you finally, let's see, this is what happened with me with alcoholism. I got overwhelmed in life when I was a kid, and so I figured I'm going to make everything as unreal as I can. So I st first I started reading science fiction, Edgar Allan Poe. Then I found alcohol. Then I found drugs. And then I found spirituality. Yeah? All those things were really trying to make what I felt was so real unreal because I couldn't handle the effects. And then finally it dawned on me, I'm going to let these things finally be as real as they can be, which is like a fifth step, which is when you tell the fucking truth and you put out your secrets. And as soon as I let it be as real as they wanted to be, they showed me their true nature. They're unreal. They were real to me when I was trying to make them unreal. When you're trying to get out of self, that's being in self. The self is a different type of predator. It's not like a jungle cat that catches the prey by ripping its throat out. Yeah. The self has you by you trying to move away from it. That's how it has you. When you look at it and tell the truth about it, that's not when it has you. It has you by trying to get out of it. I can't wait to get rid of self. That's being in self. Just look at it, tell the truth about it, and the truth will set you free because you'll see I'm not that. And as soon as you recognize I'm not that, immediately you can entertain being free of it. Until then, you'll just be therapizing it and trying to make it better. Maybe, you know, have better behavior. You know? Maybe I can eke out a little happiness in life. Just a little, please. You know? Maybe one day, a month. So, I don't know, I, um, I've been speaking a lot this last few days. <laughs> we want to have some questions? Oh, you, yes, all right. The front, all the questioners are in the front. Oh, there's a back one too. All right, we'll get to you. Yes. Well, maybe a good start would be to look, see, recognize what's not happening. That would be a good beginning. It's an easy one to see, yeah? It's only going to be in one place, the thoughts, yeah? And when you're obsessing over next Friday, maybe just hold it with, hey, that's not happening. Let's see what happens. 
I tried there. Or I like the one I like is uh, holding a thought not as yours, just seeing a thought as a thought, not your thought. Yeah. Maybe the bridge would be first called an alcoholic thought because you've heard many people share your thoughts. Yeah. So maybe one of those thoughts comes by. You'll go, wow, that's an alcoholic thought. You'll, you'll, you'll see that something will be lighter when that occurs. But the what's not happening is very easy. A lot of people have been getting back to me in recovery about what's not happening. It's been helping them a lot. Just recognizing what's not happening. Yeah. So when the head's starting to tell you a story about next week, and maybe there's some doom and gloom in it, just maybe hold it like, hey, that's not happening. See what occurs. I don't like giving tips because usually there's a sense of someone that's going to do the tip, which is what I believe is a real problem, but what the hell. Yeah, but that's how it happened with me, was when I first started entertaining my thoughts as alcoholic thoughts, I started to travel lighter with them. Yeah, I had much more wisdom about them when they were alcoholic thoughts than they were when they were mine. Then I could see the similarity of what I was saying to a sponsee and what I should be doing myself. <laughs> yeah, so yes, we'll get back there and then do do. Nothing. There's no need to get rid of the self. It's just seeing you're not that. Yeah? So in the beginning, you entertain it. Like today, you know, there's been an invitation. You may not... See, when you, you may think you're entertaining it by going home and thinking about it, but something is entertaining it already. It's not the thought will be a, a secondary reaction. Mind, I believe, has entertained it already. Yeah? So it's in there. Just let it cook. See what happens. Yes? But to get rid of it is making it real. For me, I see it as not me, and that's the end of the story. So when everything that's arising, presenting itself as me or about me, I hold it with, just like I used to hold all the thoughts as I'm the thinker of them. You don't see you're doing it, do you? But all the thoughts, you have a feeling you're the thinker of them, don't you? There's an assumption. Isn't there a feeling that these, you don't think Ed is thinking them, do you? You think it's, or Matt, you're thinking it's you. Or they're about you. That's the way you hold them. There's no, you're not seemingly doing that anymore. That's just the sense that you have when thoughts are seen. Yeah? So the, in a way, that's what it's like. When something arises, there's a sense of that, I'm not that. You know, you're not saying it, but that's the sense that when something arises in the head, you know, thought, and whatever, I'm not that. And as soon as that's... If there's some, uh, first it may be uh, something that doesn't have much sincerity in it, but if it grows, that's the immunity to thought because you're only interested in thoughts because they're about you or, the, or you're the thinker of them, seriously. Because you're not interested in most other people's thoughts. Really, you're sick of them in about five minutes. You gotta see that, you know, it's so obvious. The my is the dilemma, not the thoughts. So, so I'm just, t I, that's what I found when I looked at this stuff after things were happening, that it's the act of identification. It's a verb. It's this M, what MY in English represents, my. It's like a sense of being the owner or the proprietor or claiming, right? Selfing's main movement is claiming. So self claims the body, my body.
claims thoughts, my thoughts, claims time, my time, my life, my this, my problems, my this, all this, yeah? That act of claiming is what gives all those things meanings, yeah? So if you, let's just say, let's say you have five thoughts, uh, I'm not doing much today. That sounds innocent, doesn't it? Five thoughts, maybe there's six thoughts, whatever. I'm not doing much today, just goes by your head. So now you see the thoughts, I'm not doing much today. But you believe they're about you or you're the thinker of them, yes? So now Paul arises, claims the thought, and then all these old ideas and, and conditionings and memories of Paul inject into that thought. Oh, not doing much today means I'm lazy. Oh, okay. So that's the meaning that my head gives that thought. I'm not doing much today. Oh, I'm lazy. Okay? Now I'm lazy kicks up. There's a claiming of that. That gets injected. What does I'm lazy mean to Paul? I'm bad. <laughs> I shouldn't be lazy. I should be out there doing something, accruing value. Oh, okay. So now, now at the second or third step of giving meaning, a feeling is arising now in you. You're feeling unease, where maybe you weren't about five minutes ago. You're feeling unease because you're feeling you're bad. Right? The mind's making up an experience. Yeah? So now, okay, you look at, okay, I'm bad. What does that mean to me? Fuck, I don't deserve much in life. Whoa, okay, so more and more, right? Now that feeling of contraction feels really quite uneasy, yeah? Before you were fine, now five minutes of <laughs> giving meaning to thought, you're fucked, yeah? So now what happens, all right? So now I don't deserve much. Well, what does it mean that you're lazy, bad, don't deserve much? Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it, you know? I might as well get loaded. I might as well, you know, hurt myself. I might as well eat a pound of cheese. I might as well jump off this bridge. I might as well punch that guy in the fucking face. I might as well do fucking anything. Yeah? All it was was simple thought. I'm not doing much today. An observational statement. Oh, sure. Now it's like, <coughs> you're out killing people. Fuck you, I hate all of you. Why? Because I'm not doing much today. What? How did you jump from that to hating everybody? Well, let me tell you how. Yes. All right, we'll go, no, go to Roger. I'm going to have to think about Roger's question anyway, so yeah, let me get prepped here. All right. Yes, yes, I know, I know. Because uh, the way we're, f we're configured now, we only believe things can be brought about by doing and having, yes? That's one of the big dilemmas I find in spirituality when anyone practices anything. There is a modality, if you know what modality means, or a way, or a, or like a pattern in self-centeredness. That's the system most of us, like we're all wearing a helmet of self-centeredness. We're breathing in self-centeredness, an atmosphere which is anxiety and fear and like that. And that, in that modal, in that system, the only way we can see something is, is that we have to do and have it. 
we're going to have to do something to produce that result. Yes? So let's just see this. So let's say I'm going to practice spirituality. And pr spirituality practices will produce effects on the body and the brain. There's no doubt about that. Your brain will get calmer. Yeah, you may feel a little more at ease. But this is not, I'm not talking about affecting the body and the brain. I'm talking about something else. But let's just go here. So here's the practice. So now you believe you're the doer of it, yes? So you are going to do the meditation, and you're going to get the results of the meditation, okay? So all the while, there's a sense of doership. You are going to do something. Okay, so let's say you achieve a state of peace, or seemingly, by doing and having. What happens as soon as you achieve that state of peace? You can't really enjoy that peace because you believe that you can do something to lose it because you believe you did something to get it, yes? This is something I know, and the practices are valu very valuable on a certain point. And, but if you're gonna do a practice, which a lot of us are gonna do, please just maybe entertain the idea of that sense of being the doer is a false appearance, yes? If you can do that, it may be really wonderful, the effects of just sitting quietly. But if it's you doing it, you're probably going to use meditation to fuck yourself with. Because if you miss the morning meditation, you'll interpret the whole day can't be good because I missed my meditation. Fucking, did you, did you ever say that when you were three years old? Oh, mom, the day's going bad. I got to go back and meditate. No, you were wide awake and everything was just happening. Yeah? So that's the one thing I'm a little, I'm concerned with when we say doing and having. Yeah? Because when you believe you did something to produce something, you will believe you can do something to unproduce it. That, to me, is playing God, really. And I don't believe peace of mind and freedom is based on doing and having. I believe it's, more, it's echoed more in the part of the big book where it says you'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. Yeah? I think that represents what I'm attempting to share here tonight. I have no problem with doing and having, but there is a certain dilemma that if there's a sense of being the doer, it's going to affect, quote unquote, the results yeah? greatly. Yes? No, no, no. There's a, there can be a thought at times, but there's a recognition that's not a thought. That's, the translation of the recognition is that's not happening, but it's not a word. The mind's not saying that's not happening anymore. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. Well, that will happen maybe for a while. But just like you have a sense of being the thinker of the thought, yeah? There's not a, there's not a thought saying I'm the thinker of the thought anymore. There's a sense that you're the thinker. There'll be a sense that I'm not that. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. You'll be in your gut a little more. And that, see, to me, like we were talking today about, I really like the idea of being convinced. You know, to believe with certainty. And if I was coming into AA again, I would pray for the ability to be convinced, because many of us go through so much shit because we're not able to be convinced that. We're, life's unmanageable with us managing it and we're powerless over alcohol. That idea of being convinced 
gets close to a sense of sureness you have about things. Yeah? So whatever shows up, you see it as not you. Yeah? It's pretty good. It, holds, it, it travels well through every event and situation. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Suzanne. Well, I haven't been in a situation like that for quite a while. No, really. I don't, uh, I don't like work a regular job. I work jobs, but I'm the only person doing them. Yeah? <laughs> so there's like, you know, in a sense. So there's, uh, <laughs> I don't have, ex I haven't ha don't have uh, contemporary experience of that. That's been a long time ago. But the thing is, in AA, it's like, pra it's like uh, what is it? It's progress, not perfection, yes? So you just try to, for me, when they said practice your princ the principles in all your affairs, I realized I couldn't do that, so I limited my affairs quite a lot. I took the back door away, because I couldn't practice these principles in a lot of situations. I couldn't, <laughs> you know? So I just limited the situations I was in. <laughs> it worked, I mean, but I, no, seriously. If I was in a cut rope, you know, I would flip out probably. Probably. Yeah. Well, that's up to you where you're at. For me, I don't. I'm not good with stress. No, no. I'm not particularly. No, I'm not a high stress character. I'll break like that in stress. <laughs> yeah. Stress is a lot. You know, is. Obviously, it looks like it's outside being forced on you, but you participate a lot in it, you know, how you're viewing things. Yeah? You do. I mean, we participate in everything here. We'd like to say we don't, but we are cahoots with it. I don't know if you know the word cahoots in America. 